Hi, hope everyone's well. Welcome to the HW Property Show. We're back with another episode, and today we've got Ledio Zeppi. Ledio, how are you? I'm all good. I'm all good, Harry. How are you doing? I'm well, thanks. I'm well. So it's going to be an interesting episode today. We're going to talk about what he's planning for the next couple of um, sort of months and what his goals are for the rest of the year. And we're also going to go into a couple of different things. He's got a really exciting challenge coming up. So can we start with that? Would you like to explain what the challenge is? Because I don't know. Um, and I'm really interested. I've been really excited for this episode just to find out what it is you're doing. Okay. Okay. I mean, I, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag yet. So, cause I'm kind of getting everything uh, f- uh, sorted out and it's going to be launching very soon. Uh, just a quick background on what, who I am, what I do is I come from tech and I started in property, started as a sourcer. And uh, I noticed that many people want to take this journey. And that's a fair uh, way to actually go about creating a good income long term. Uh, however, I noticed that many people are constantly uh, asking themselves, what do I do next? Uh, where do I get the knowledge that I need to get? And so because of that reason, I just decided, hey, what if I actually create a path for people who want to get into property but don't want to spend that much um, money into all of these courses, etc., for them to kind of get all the knowledge from uh, all the most successful people in the world and gain all of the skill sets that they would normally need, whether it's leadership, whether it's sales, whether it's lead generation, whether it's property itself, understanding how the stock market and tax works, all the small things and obviously entrepreneurship itself all these small things always end up being uh kind of what puts the puzzle together and that's why i decided to create the 365 entrepreneur challenge uh what it basically entails is it's going to be a year long that's why 365 where each and every single week you will have to read a different book, which will be recommended. You can either read it through Kindle paperback or, um, or Audible. These will be automatically in your inbox. And basically, once you subscribe to that, you're going to be getting all the feeds. There's going to be all the um, reviews also be done by myself on the YouTube channel. These are going to be private, so it's only going to be available to the people that are actually subscribed to the challenge. And on top of that, anyone who subscribes is also going to have uh, extra access to content and uh, property deals. So they're basically going to be both part of the entrepreneur uh, challenge and at the same time have access to a wider network of property deals, of high-yielding property deals, which comes from my own sourcing business itself. Um, because we normally actually work for, um, we work bespokely for investors. So we don't really send out deals publicly unless they fall through. But in this case, we've decided that uh, on, on a monetized kind of subscription, we'll be doing that as well. So that's kind of a, what it is that it entails. And uh, it may sound uh, underwhelming, but I feel like starting with the ABCs gives you all the confidence that you need to take that one first step. And property is just a great business. And so long as you're doing things right, you don't have the kind of margins of error that you would have creating the next best thing. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, that, that that sounds amazing because one of the things a lot of people do struggle with is actually getting the property training, but they don't want to fork out a lot of money. And it's, I mean, it's all over social media when people say this, you can get the knowledge for free, 
but it's where do you find the knowledge? It's where do you find the knowledge? Where do you find the, the certain books? As you said, recommended books from you. Where do you find those books? How do you pick up those books? It's going to take someone a long time to pick out all those different books, to build on all those different skills, and especially pick the right ones. So I think it's really, really great what you're putting together. Uh, is it only for property um, investors no. or is it all entrepreneurs? It's any entrepreneur, as, as I said, is going to involve a very, very wide skill set and I believe that one, when they want to create their ideal life, they can't just rely on a single sector, but they do want to diversify kind of like not all of your eggs in one basket. So as you diversify your multiple streams of income, you're going to end up with real estate. You're going to end up with like a few dividends and bond stocks, et cetera. So I feel like it's always important to sort of diversify, especially given the era that we're living in. So the challenge is really focusing on building the foundations for people. Is that right? Yes. Building the foundations. And as you said, creating that path so that people can get to the end destination that they want to be in. I think that's, a, I think that's a really, really great idea. Is there any news on the launch date or is it still things coming together? Um, we're just, we're just about to finish everything. Uh, my book's done. It's just going through a few editorial processes and that's also going to be given out as a freebie for people who join onto uh, the challenge. And it's a book on digital lead generation and how to market your business, obviously, in this more modern era. Uh, in regards to a proper launch date, I'm hoping either next week we should be able to start. So today is the 7th of January for anybody who's <laughs> looking to watch this video uh, a little bit later on. Um, by then it might actually be out already who knows and uh, yeah that that's kind of it it's really really exciting times uh, it, it's a shame with everything that's happening but my uh, I believe that one should just keep moving forward and look past the bad things that happen around us we kind of do make our own economy when we're entrepreneurs yeah 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 definitely and I mean I haven't seen the challenge yet but I I can I can almost guarantee it's going to be tuned to perfection because for those who don't know, um, Elio is a bit of a perfect perfectionist, to say the least, aren't you, mate? Yeah, I mean, um, perfectionism is great. I feel like it's more of a hard work and getting things done right. Uh, because I, I'm, I'm actually a little pearl of philosophy, I guess, is that perfectionism is a little bit of a of a negative way to look at things when you think about it, because if you're a perfectionist, that means that you're never satisfied. That means that it's never enough, right? Yeah. However, when you uh, put a lot of hard work and you know where you're going with it, then as long as you have a standard for quality, then it's something that you can pat yourself on the back for. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely, definitely. I completely agree. And um, so what are your goals then? I, do you, I wanted to go into your goals because I know you set um, quite a few goals. And I thought it'd be quite a good thing. I mean, it's the start of the year to showcase some of your goals and kind of talk to, talk me through how you got to those goals. So how you decided on them, um, because obviously start of the year, I mean, it could be, it, well, it's, it's going to be valuable for a lot of people who are trying to plan and go, plan their goals and trying to stick to them. Absolutely. I, I think that it's so important nowadays that one keeps themselves kind of open-minded when it comes to what they want to do and how they want to achieve it, especially we've been enabled in a way that we can absolutely do everything and anything that we set our minds to. 
in regards to my goals, it sounds a little crazy because I, I really do have quite a large pipeline to the point where I'm even struggling to find more than 24 hours in a single day. And um, I would say that property is a main focus. It's a very stable and good way to generate income. And uh, sourcing is unlike what many people tell you, especially uh, property gurus and whatnot, it's very intensive and it's very difficult to build it up from the, from the ground up. And I think it's very important that people do get the proper education and don't kind of venture into things without knowing what they're doing. However, once they understand them, then, as I said, multiple streams of income. Mine, when it comes to my goals, would be um, owning property, starting out with rent to rent, less capital. Uh, we're also uh, taking on already a conversion project, which is basically going to be from a residential to an HMO conversion to a commercial conversion. Yeah. Uh, we are also looking to take on a development project. So uh, look, we're looking for an erection of around nine properties, roughly, uh, for uh, those who are inexperienced in uh, developments. When you build less than uh, 10 properties on a single piece of land, you can avoid Section 106 fees, um, which we're not going to go into depth because I don't think we're going to have enough time for that. But if you're interested in that, that's something that we're also going to be covering in the 365 Entrepreneur Challenge. Um, so when, when it comes to other things, uh, given how I have a background in tech and I've always been excited in the stock market, I've been uh, looking to do a little bit of what they call algo trading. Now, this is not very property-ish, but it's just coding a bot to actually trade stocks based on patterns and uh, different sorts of indicators and algorithms and your typical plus one and zero uh, newsletters. So it's a bit of a different thing, but I am always excited when it comes to uh, just doing more and more and more. I, I love having ideas and I'm sure everyone else does as well. And I, giving them life and breathing life into them and seeing them succeed is probably the most satisfying thing that one can have. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, <laughs> it sounds like a busy year. It's already, it's only January. And yeah. you've got the whole year planned out already, which uh, I mean, I, I respect that completely. It's I know I know you're a very forward thinker. You think into the future quite often. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I didn't. To be honest, I didn't expect anything less. Um, <laughs> so we you you touched on um, well, we've spoken, and you've you're looking at another avenue in property. You're looking at doing stuff with supported living. Now, could you just explain quickly first um, what kind of the differences between DSS and supported living? Because I didn't know um, until earlier. So could you just explain? Yeah, so it, it, it's a bit of, um, it's something that I've started to look into recently because I've been approached quite a few times. So people were like, hey, do you handle any supported living, et cetera, et cetera. Within a week, I got um, three people who, um, normally investors look for your typical construction projects that they can pull money out of. And all of a sudden I go, all these people within uh, just a few days that are asking me, Hey, do you handle any supported living? So I start looking into it and I, I'm like looking at it. Um, oh, 
this is this is actually very interesting. I, I didn't know that people used to do this. So they were looking for rent to rent properties. And I initially thought that rent uh, supported living was the same as DSS, yeah. right? Yeah. But the difference is actually that DSS tenants are typically uh, people on state benefits, right? And they will rent out a property and then they're typically a little bit on the lower end of the spectrum because oh, the state only grants them so much. Or it could also be uh, some people that classify as DSS could just be regular working people who are just not making enough on their day-to-day -day basis with their jobs and just require a government top-up in order to be able to pay all their bills, pay the rent, and have maybe a little bit aside at the end of the month for their families and everything. So that's kind of uh, DSS tenants. While supported living is not really tenants that are approaching you, but they are instead companies that look after people in need. So these companies will rent the property and then they will put the tenants in themselves. Now, these companies, in order for them to get tenants, they must apply for council tenders, right, which are um, localized and it could vary depending on whichever council you are looking to do this into. And that's when I realized just how different this entire process was, because instead of it being a tenant, it was the company handling that. And these tenants that are put into properties, uh, more often than not, they actually need someone who has to look after them. So they have to be living in with them the entire time. So if it's a two bed, one bed is going to be for the person in need and the other uh, bedroom is going to be kind of like a mild office uh, bedroom for the person to look after, who looks after them. Yeah, and so that was that was very different. It was really interesting to see how there was such a different niche. So looking into it more myself, I was like, "Hey, maybe this is something that I could actually do as well and kind of help out the community." So I'm I'm maybe looking to take on a few renters myself here in Nottingham. Yeah, uh, since yeah. I'm local to Nottingham, and uh, see where it goes. Really, awesome, awesome. Because I think I think as you said, I didn't know. Um, what the difference was between DSS and supported living, I think is a, well, maybe it's just us, but I think it may be a, a common misconception as well. Um, so you said you said you still plan on sourcing. How are you finding sourcing now then in, in lockdown, um, especially since the new announcement has been announced? Are you still actively viewing? I know it's going to be quite difficult, but how, how are you getting around it? I mean, I, I just got back from a viewing about an hour before we really jumped into this. So we're still quite active when it comes to that. However, it, it seems like it's getting more and more difficult also from kind of a little bit of both ends, because right now we're at a point where the prices for properties are quite high. Hmm. And at the same time, we're at a price, uh, we're at a point where, um, you know, property is mostly structured in a way that it's not just like a buyer and a seller. There's so many third parties that kind of get involved. And there's just so many variables, which almost makes it impossible for a sourcer to kind of account for everything. Yeah. So I'm looking at it. I'm like, the buyers are not budging from their price because God knows, I mean, they could have any form of problem. So you can't really blame them for it either. And the market is kind of moving towards that kind of shape as well. Yeah. And then we have the whole COVID situation as well, which is kind of forcing several of them to uh, sell their properties, uh, but they're also drowning in other debts. So who knows? Then the seller, uh, the um, 
sorry, was I talking about the buyers? That's the sellers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to buy from the price. I'm sorry. In a long day, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. So then the buyers are also kind of a little hesitant. So your typical investor ends up being more hesitant because with all the turmoil, et cetera, they're like, well, we want to invest in a property, but we also want to have a guarantee that the capital is going to go up, which is something that you definitely cannot um, cannot give simply because nobody knows how the market is going to go. Because if we knew, we definitely wouldn't be sourcing. We'd be doing something else right now. And um, so you end up in a position where the investors are also scared of getting rid of that liquidity to put into a project that they don't know how it's going to go simply because of the way that the market is moving. And on the other end, you have sellers who are very, very difficult to deal with and won't budge because they might have even the best reasons in the world not to do so. And so it creates this very, very hard spot. And then, for example, one of the things that we uh, try to do is the commercial conversion that we're taking on right now. Uh, that was supposed to be for an investor, but they said that they're scared of going into it. So we just took it on for ourselves. Now, we normally work on a 75% loan to value basis for the commercial mortgage. And we're working with one of the best brokers in the UK. And they told us that the best deal that they can get us is 70%. And so it, it makes it so hard to stack the numbers when those are the figures that you're working with. Yeah. yeah. And so... People don't want to budge. Um, the loan to values are not what they want to be. The investors are hesitant. Uh, lockdowns are just one after another. So how is it being a sorcerer right now? It's definitely a struggle. But so long as you keep yourself focused, then you're definitely going to find yourself better than ever at the end of the tunnel. Because once everything starts steamrolling, next thing you know, you're selling a deal a week. Yeah, yeah, no, I was, I was just about to say that. I mean, I think, I think basically every single property strategy at the moment, if you've just come into property during COVID, um, if you just, as I said, if you, if you're getting moving along, keep ticking away, and still being active and successful, um, it doesn't matter how successful, as long as you're doing something. By the time this is all over, I think it will have built built you up massively your confidence your skill level because it's hard to do basically every strategy i mean rent to rent it's a struggle um even getting people in hmos if you're taking on a hmo it can still be a struggle sourcing a struggle every single strategy it's a struggle at the moment with covid and if you can make it in these times as soon as this is over you're going to thrive and you're going to your business is going to, as you said, skyrocket, right? Right. As soon as it's over, you will see your business skyrocket. And that's, that's my belief. I think, I think if, if you can build a business in COVID, you'll be able to build a business anytime. Well, I mean, the, the reason behind that is, I believe it's also because right now uh, the sourcing market is very oversaturated. So there's many people who believe the gurus and how they can make like two grand a day, like yeah. that, which by the way is absolutely untrue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, there's definitely good money to be made, but it's not just free cash for going on right move for 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a lot more technical. And sadly, I was actually one of those guys who ended up learning it the hard way. And uh, thank God for everybody who I actually met throughout my journey for helping me um, get back on my feet. But I also believe that because of this oversaturation, not, everybody, uh, not everybody's doing well. So it means that the people who are not going to make it, which is Obviously, it, it, it's sad and everything. However, that's also the nature of business to begin with. Yeah. Um, ones, uh, it, it's basically going to leave space for the ones who actually manage to 
hold on and that's going to create a very good reputation for them yeah simply because they were a business that was basically strong enough to survive one of the greatest recessions we've seen in our times and basically it's also going to create a lot less competition right yeah, yeah. any resources that come on board afterwards they won't have that kind of presence that you've managed to maintain throughout the covid period yeah. so basically you're just going to be able to um hope and feel just go all the way across and reach that success really yeah, you'll be flying you'll be flying and then those those are the exciting times those are what everyone's looking forward to at the moment looking forward um, to that so i wanted to ask you as well um one of the things that people think people struggle with and i think you're probably the perfect person to ask this question for um especially because the the entrepreneur challenge you're creating and obviously that you can you can see you like giving back to people and you like trying to create that path to simplify things and make it a lot easier for people um so once people have established that good property knowledge what is the one thing they should work towards then what is the one thing they should do then okay so um this is a tricky question, right? Because one shouldn't get into any industry, including property, without any form of knowledge. So as you said, once they get that, what's the next step from there? Well, fun fact is that all of the knowledge that you've assimilated just keeps you afloat. After that, what you actually have to do is network, but not just network to grow your numbers, to grow your um, Facebook groups. I mean, that's great. That's yeah. absolutely great because it just uh, pushes your word out there. But network in a way that you get to know people better. Yeah, You get to know people who don't necessarily have to be local, but obviously when you're focused in a specific area, that's definitely a must. Yeah. Um, to just know the best guy for the job. Um, and after that, you just have to focus on how property is such a people's business. You yeah. want to help others and they'll help you. That's basically how I managed to kind of get to where I am today is simply because I went from uh, coming from Italy, knowing absolutely nobody, and then just coming across great people like you, like all my business partners. And I'm so grateful for them more than I am for any of the learnings and any of that. So when it comes to it, the next step is to set your sights on what it is that you want to do now that you know how property works. Look at where you are as to what kind of category of property investor you would fall into. Obviously, if you want to take on a large property development deal, let's just do that as an example, right? So you want to take on a large property development. That's going to require a lot of capital. Uh, that's going to require you to um, be able to secure finance. Yeah. And that's just the money side of things, right? So the money side of things you might be able to cover, but let's just say that you're broke. So you already have two hurdles. After that, if you want to take on a development, you also want to be able to uh, design this development because you have to file in a, um, you have to file in a planning application or whatever the case may be. And then you will also have, when you're doing the entire application, show them your CV as to what projects you've had in the past and what success you've achieved with them. So now, if you just come out of, let's say high school, you're 18, you yeah. can't even afford a mortgage. You have no job, you have nothing. Yeah. So 
no money, no experience. How are you going to do that? Well, that's where your network comes into play. Now, because I haven't been in the UK for very long, for example, with that conversion project, I would have been able to, to actually land a commercial mortgage myself. Yeah. But the funds we raised through investors and the mortgage we've raised through a, J, uh, a JV partner who has a lot of experience in the area, several HMOs in the area. Yeah. So that made it so much easier for someone like me to actually get to where I want to be. Now, here's the thing. Working with other people, it may seem like um, many people, when they get into property, they're like, I, I want to be, I want to be, right? So you want properties for yourself and everything so that you can be wealthy uh, in the long term, which is great. It's absolutely great to set your personal goals. But when you help others, they will help you in turn. Yeah. And you'd be surprised how by leveraging everybody else's um, strengths, how you can actually achieve tenfold what you would have achieved alone. Yeah. yeah. So if you can take on one development every 10 years on your own, if you help other people in 10 years, you would have probably gotten 50 of them. Yeah. So yeah. even if you have to split those three way, each and every single one of them, that's still so many more of them. Yeah. So you alone is hard so best advice go out there and make some friends in the industry great great advice mate great advice i'm actually i've actually got a youtube video um it's kind of that that was this wasn't planned by the way but i've actually got a youtube video covering the 555 strategy um for networking and how to nurture net, net, uh, relationships and use um connect with use people off social media not use connect with people then off social media bring them in build that relationship, how to do it all online, how to track it and how to make networking kind of um, a, a task instead of something people just got and do. I'm going to network for a few hours, how to systemize it, how to make sure that you can get the best out of your network. So I've got a YouTube video coming out on that next Tuesday, if anyone's interested, but thanks very much for coming on, mate. I am. Um, yeah, <laughs> perfect. Well, thank, thanks very much for coming on, mate. I look forward to your challenge. Um, what I'll do is I'll put the link as soon as it's out. I'm going to put the link in of the challenge into the um, these clips, and I'm going to put it on the podcast as well um, on the info page. So hope everyone has a great week. We'll see you all next week um, for another episode. Great. Thank you for having me, Harry. Take care.